get away from her, you bitch! And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Ian Freeze! Got the cat! Dear Sam Hibbert. I'll be throwing one of these in with every purchase of 500 million or more. To peace. Welcome, 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 welcome back to DMR. Thank you for tuning back in. Much obliged. How are you? Hope you are well. It is absolutely pissing down here in Sydney. They basically said that La Nina was over, but the goddamn news going to lie to us. Y'all going to lie to us again, goddammit. So I hope you are staying dry out there in Sydney at the moment. A lot of floods happening. So thank you for all the feedback for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series review. Much obliged. A lot of positive vibes on that particular episode. So thank you very much. So... Great news, the DMR podcast is basically circling in on the 20,000 download mark. Yes, that's right. Only since February did we kick off DMR and it is gaining serious momentum. So thank you for all the fans out there. Much obliged and I will keep providing the content. So today I am going to be giving you another two for one deal. That's right. Not one, but two. Two, 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 two for the price of one. So this is going to be my third and fourth review, which was the epic World War II Tom Hanks movie, which is called Greyhound. That was a 2020 film exclusive to Apple TV. Then it's going to be followed up with the Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix, a 2019 crime comic thriller, whatever you want to call it. So kick back, enjoy, and I will see you on the other side. Dear Lord, let your holy angel be with me. Let the evil foe may have no power over me. Into your hands I commend myself, my body, and soul. Amen. Greyhound is a World War II thriller, no doubt. It's set in 1942. We've got Tom Hanks as the main character. He's a captain of one of the destroyers, and his job is to escort a lot of the supply ships across the Atlantic in order to get those much-needed supplies to the British, I believe. Now, this movie did remind me a lot of a movie that came out in the early 2000s called U571, which had Matt McConaughey as the main character. And in that movie, the guys had to basically hijack a Nazi submarine in order to get a very specific code writer, I believe it was called the Enigma Code, in order to basically intercept Nazi U-boats and messages to change the course of the war. Fire! Take fire right now, we die! Torpedo! 
Tom Hanks is definitely no stranger to the World War II genre. He was involved in the Band of Brothers series that came out in the early 2000s and of course the 1998 war movie that changed the game for all war movies in my opinion which was Saving Private Ryan. Now, I didn't see Private Ryan at the movies. I saw it just on a normal family TV. And I still remember to this day the effect that that movie had on me watching that opening scene, along with the stories that I've heard as well that when veterans from World War II went and watched the movie in the cinema, they had to walk out of it because it was just way too realistic, that opening scene, and of course, the rest of the movie as well. Now, Greyhound is by no means on the same level as Saving Private Ryan, and I believe that no other war movie that has come out since that movie can match up with that particular film. However, it is a very good instalment in the World War II movie genre as a whole, because we haven't seen a movie like this where it takes the aspect of the American destroyer versus the Nazi U-boats. So you can only imagine the fear and the anxiety that these sailors would have felt when they're crossing the Atlantic to basically have no idea where these U-boats are. Only thing that really gives them any warning is their very basic radar back in the day and that would have been a true terror on the open seas. Air escort to Greyhound. You will now be out of range of air cover for the next five days. Safe travels to England. How many crossings does this make? This is my first. I got some. Most likely a U-boat. He's trying to slip under us! Fire! We have a kill. Now the character development in this movie is fine. Tom Hanks does a pretty good role as the captain of the Destroyer. We are introduced to some love interest that he has at the start of the film, but I feel it's quite irrelevant. It does feel a bit forced. The crew of the ship, they do a pretty good job as well, but we're mainly focused on Tom and how he's getting across the Atlantic and not only trying to save the lives of his own crew, but also the ships and the crew he's escorting in the Nazi infested waters that is the Atlantic. In 28 hours, we've lost seven ships and 50 souls. What you did yesterday got us to today. It's not enough. Not nearly enough. Films like this are very effective, especially when we've got the main characters all shoved into a very claustrophobic area like a warship 
or like U571, we're in the bowels of the submarine. That's all written in German and everyone's doing their utmost to stay alive. You can see the anxiety and the stress levels really rise to the top or even films like Fury with Brad Pitt, which focuses on an American Sherman tank crew and they have to do their best to survive in the dying weeks of World War II. I really enjoy war movies that add the psychological effect to them. If you caught the movie Dunkirk a couple of years ago, the opening scene is pretty impactful when the soldiers are walking down the street and from the sky starts raining pamphlets. One of the soldiers picks him up and it basically says, we surround you as the English got pushed back into the sea basically from the Germans during World War II. And we actually see a very similar scene in Greyhound where we've got Tom Hanks and the crew minding their own business and then all of a sudden a very demon-like Nazi voice comes over the airways and tells them good luck surviving the night. So that's a nice little touch. Thank you. Target's disappeared, sir. They come. Like a lot of films in 2020, Greyhound ran into a fair few production issues due to the coronavirus pandemic, just like A Quiet Place Part 2 did, and of course, the new James Bond movie that's yet to hit the silver screen and has experienced multiple delays. So after viewing the trailer for Greyhound, I was pretty pumped to see it in the theaters. However, they did an exclusive deal with Apple TV, so members got to enjoy the movie in the comfort of their own home, just like I did via my home theater system that can pump when it needs to. So would I put this movie on par with the likes of Saving Private Ryan? No. Is this movie as good as Fury with Brad Pitt? No. Would I put this movie on par with the likes of Dunkirk and 1917? Yes, I feel this movie stacks up pretty well against those movies. The runtime on it is about an hour and a half, so it's not overly long for a war epic, but it's a very enjoyable film, pretty action-packed. Tom Hanks does an amazing job, as always. And the verdict is, I would have loved to have seen this on the big screen, however, it's definitely worth watching on Apple TV. And if it was available on Blu-ray or 4K, I probably would buy it because it's a pretty good story. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for joining in for my third review. We appreciate the follows, the likes, and the comments. So stay tuned, and we will see you on the next one. Cheers. What are we going to do? We'll bring hell down from on high. So I hope you enjoyed that for the Greyhound movie review. Awesome film. Check it out on Apple TV. So let's get into the second part of the two-for-one deal, which is The Joker. An awesome, awesome film. Got it on Blu-ray or 4K. I can't really remember one of the two, but it is an incredible film to watch. So 
kick back again and enjoy this second part of your two for one deal. Welcome back, movie viewers, to my fourth review. Before we start, I would like to say thank you for all the likes, comments, and follows. It's much appreciated. So this one is a little bit dated, but I thought I'd have to review it anyway, going back to 2019. And of course, it is the film Joker. So buckle up as we have a look at this epic movie. What's your name? My name's Arthur. Well, there's something special about you, Arthur, I can tell. Where are you from? I live right here in the city with my mother. She says I was put here to spread joy and laughter. <laughs> What's so funny? She always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. So today for this review, I thought I'd wear the suit that most resembled the colored purple or what I could find in the wardrobe for the Joker film. So this film stars Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck. So Arthur Fleck is a resident in Gotham City. He has good intentions. He lives with his mother. He's a basically struggling comedian. He also works as a clown for parties and for Children's Hospital, I believe. So it's basically set in the 1980s in Gotham where things are pretty grim and pretty dark for a lot of the residents that live there. Whilst this movie is a supervillain movie or an origin movie for the character, the Joker, this movie does remind me of a couple of other films as well. Have you ever seen the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas? If you haven't, it's a very good watch and this movie does remind me a lot of that particular movie. It also has hints of Fight Club, which was basically in my top five movies, one of the best movies ever made, and American Psycho with Christian Bale. So all those three films together do feel like they have inspired this film to a degree. Of course, it's a standing alone by itself as a Joker film, but it's a very much a movie where you've got an individual and basically they've fallen through the cracks in society and it's somebody's downfall basically or somebody spiraling out of control and we as the audience have no choice but to join them on this ride into the darkness <laughs> it's something funny stay down freak So the character of the Joker is complex to say the least. So we have had a few actors that have played the iconic role over the years from Jack Nicholson, which I grew up with in 1989 in the movie Batman. Then we've also got, of course, Mark Hamill that plays the cartoon version of the Joker, which I find very good. And of course, we've got Heath Ledger, which basically changed the game for that particular character. And then we've got Jared Leto's attempted it as well. So Joaquin Phoenix walking into this particular movie had big shoes to fill. And 
despite all the people that came before him, he's absolutely nailed this role. So let's have a look at it in a little bit more depth. Hello, it's good to be here. <laughs> so as the film progresses, we see the many struggles that Arthur goes through mainly with his mental health, which is a massive part of this movie. So we do see him going to his counsellor, who is one foot out the door, really meets with him once a week, asks very basic questions, and there's not really much help at all. Coupled with Arthur living at home with his elderly mother, who used to work for Thomas Wayne, and she holds the Wayne family up on a pedestal, which Arthur is basically subject to viewing, and also thinking along the lines of his mother that the Wayne family are rich, powerful, and very good people when they're anything but. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. As the movie continues, we do see that Arthur has a love interest. as a lady with a young kid that lives in his building or on the same floor. And obviously he looks to her as being a somewhat partner, so to speak. But as the movie rolls on, things go from bad to worse for old Arthur and there comes a point in the film where he completely just snaps and that is his progression into the character known as the Joker. Now, again, as I mentioned, mental health plays a massive part in this movie. There is a huge twist which, when I first viewed the film in theatres, I did not see coming at all. And that's why I think this movie stands out from a lot of the other performances of the Joker with, of course, Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger, where it really delves into the depths of darkness and why this character is like he is. He lives in a society that has basically kicked him to the curb, does not give a crap about him, and he gets back into a corner and we see that just explode basically on the screen. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they could do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was gonna be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. Robert De Niro does an amazing job as a talk show host called Murray, which Arthur Fleck idolizes because Arthur wants to become a stand-up comic just like Murray or Robert De Niro. So as we see in the trailer, Arthur tries his hands at stand-up comedy and Murray grabs a hold of that particular footage and uses it on his talk show as basically a prop to humiliate this up-and-coming comedian. And when Arthur sees this, it basically does something to him that no one can really explain. We have your idol turn against you and basically send you further into the depths of this darkness. So now instead of an idol, he's looking at Robert De Niro as the enemy 
as opposed to somebody that he looked up to. So as we see at the start of the film, we've got Arthur who's struggling with his mental illness, struggling with his employment and looking after his mother and just living in Gotham in general. But something happens as he progresses further into the role of the Joker, you can see his confidence start to grow in all aspects of his life. So when the makeup starts to come on, he actually looks a lot healthier. He walks with more pride. And you can definitely see that the old Arthur is being pushed aside. Someone that did have good intentions, but he's making his way into the mastermind criminal that is the Joker. So it's a very good take on this particular character because the Joker in itself, nobody really knows his origin. And whilst this is an origin story and a lot looked at this film as well, we should kind of leave that alone because you're going to be wrecking the Joker character. I feel it's a great insight into how the Joker became the Joker. So as the film progresses, we do see him starting to really improve in this role and in this new personality that is ultimately going to be him. For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do. So it's very well known the lengths that Heath Ledger went to to create the Joker back in the dark night in 2008. So Joaquin, because this was an origin story, he took a different approach. His first thing that he did was to study a hell of a lot of antidepressants and the side effects that those drugs can have, either severe weight gain or weight loss. And as we can see with Arthur Fleck in the movie, they mentioned that he's on several different types of medication and he looks malnourished and very thin as well. A few of the other things that he did was start to improvise some things with the director in the film that were definitely not in the script, especially one scene where he's dancing in the bathroom that was definitely not in the script and they made it into the movie. The last thing that he did was study a very rare illness where people burst out with laughter uncontrollably. And we can see that in the film that when Arthur has his moments of his condition, where he starts to laugh, it looks like he's in excruciating pain. He's not smiling, he's trying to control something that he's got no control of. So they are very unique ways in which Joaquin studied to ultimately put this version of the Joker on screen. Him. You can see that the happiest men are so the way the film wraps up without going into too many spoilers, I really enjoyed. Hopefully there is going to be another version of it or a sequel to it. There are multiple ties with the Wayne family as we watch Arthur progress into the role of the Joker. The director, Todd Phillips, did an amazing job building Gotham up 
in the 1980s in a very dark and filthy era where greed and corruption obviously rules the streets. The runtime on this movie is about two hours or just over, and the movie made a, over a billion dollars at the box office, which is unbelievable. So, the verdict. Do I think that Joaquin Phoenix has a better betrayal of the Joker that Heath Ledger put up on the screen? I'm gonna say that it's very much on par with Heath Ledger's performance. They are two different Jokers at two different stages of their criminal lives. So I did have the chance to go and see this at the movies and I probably would go and see it again if it was at the movies, but I do own it on Blu-ray as well. So if you haven't caught it, it is very much worth checking out and hopefully there will be a follow-up movie to The Joker. So thank you for tuning in guys on my fourth review. Again, really appreciate the likes, the comments and the follows. So stay tuned, there'll be much more content coming your way. Cheers. People are starting to notice. You think this is funny? <laughs> is this a joke to you? Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Send in the clowns. So again, thank you for tuning back in for your two-for-one deal. Much obliged, as always, and... By the time we talk again, we should be over the 20,000 download mark. So thank you for all the subscribes, ratings, all that jazz. So as always, thank you and I will catch you on the Menjay. I almost had him. I almost had him. You just experienced DMR, the red carpet treatment. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> and this is how I met Tyler Durden. Did you know if you mixed equal parts of gasoline and frozen orange juice concentrate, you can make napalm? Uh, Cole, before you go, will you tell Miss Lower goodbye? D do what now? I said tell Miss Lower goodbye. Bye, Miss Lower.